Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We may live over 5,000 miles from Lincoln Financial Field, but what we lack in proximity, we make up for in the film study. And each and every week, we will be bringing you in-depth film breakdowns from across the pond and the Sooner State. Welcome to On the Shane Page. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter, at ShaneHalfNFL. And I am joined by BGN's own Johnny Page. Give him a follow, at JohnnyPage9 on Twitter. Johnny, how are you doing this evening? Yeah, um, I'm doing well. That was a that was a weird game. I think this is going to be an interesting one to break down because there's not a lot of positive. We've been very blessed as Eagles fans for the past few years. I've written many positive articles and looked at a lot of good film. Um, I can't remember recalling a team getting beat that badly at home for a long time. So I think this is going to be an interesting one. We're going to try as always and keep it as analytical and rational as possible. But there are certain things that I, I find incredibly frustrating about this team. Um, and it's stuff that I don't think is impossible to solve. It's stuff that we've spoke about before. So in some ways, that gives me some sense of positivity that I feel like I've seen quite a lot of people actually tweet me this week, like what can be done? And I feel like there is legitimate solutions. It's not like this team has just not got any talent on it and they can't compete. Like there are obvious things they can do. So I think throughout talking about the misery of this game, we'll maybe try and touch on, I think naturally, what we think needs to change moving forward. I think the worry is whether there's enough time in the season and whether the coaches can make that change midway or not midway through towards the end of the season because they've had their bye week and there's stuff, in my opinion, that hasn't been corrected. So, yeah, I think we're going to... There's a few things that I'm going to be a little bit angry about and I'll try and stay level-headed as always. I'll try and put my best Jalen Hurts face on and not get too high and not get too down. But I feel like there's a few things that uh, we might be a little bit unhappy about this week, Shane. So, uh Without further ado, I think we'll get into it. Yeah, if you want to know what's wrong and how to fix it, just go back a couple of weeks and listen to our self-scouting podcast off the bye week because most of the issues you saw in this game we talked about over the bye week. And I mean, we anticipated these as issues. We gave some ideas of solutions and uh, we were ahead of the curve a little bit on this one, I guess. Yeah, I actually wanted to mention that. I tweeted it, and the second I tweeted it, I knew it would come across as, like, arrogant, and I really didn't mean it to be. And I even said in the tweet, I don't want to sound arrogant. Um, but I think this week I've seen national media, and, I mean, like, good national media. I was not being critical at all. Like, Mina Kimes did an unbelievably good segment for ESPN, um, and they referenced the lack of single hire that the Eagles are facing, and we spoke about that literally last week. We said, uh, we spoke about how this team is not, when do we still, when do we say single hire, let it fly anymore? It just doesn't happen. And then obviously Ben Solak, who is one of the best Eagles fellows for a number of years, has started really tweeting and talking about Eagles run game and about uh, too much from shotgun and Hurts being a lack of threat. And again, nothing against Ben. Ben is as good as anyone. But I think it's really interesting that when someone like Ben and Mina post stuff about this, all of the replies I get are suddenly things that we have been saying for a few weeks. Um, 
you haven't done the podcast long, but I think that self-scouting one was really interesting. Um, I should link it actually this week, some of the things I said in the article, because these are things that were not uh, unpredictable. This is a, these, some of these issues the Eagles have had for a while. So um, it's just quite funny to me that when you get some really great accounts talking about it, all of a sudden, you can just tell in the replies on Twitter, there's so many replies of people saying things that like, I can tell it's a theme now. There is clearly a theme amongst Eagles Twitter that they need to stop running from shotgun all the time, for example. And this is something that we've been talking about for a few weeks. So I hope it didn't sound too, too arrogant when I tweeted that. I almost was saying that, but this is stuff that if you've been watching the Eagles week, this was not a surprise. This game right. was not a shock. Um, the signs have been there for a while. We've spoken about them every week. So yeah, let's get into what we see, I guess. I think you're going to start off with uh, QB1. Yeah, let's talk about Jalen Hurts' decision-making was one of my biggest takeaways. And I, I braced myself for quarters two through four of this film, but I thought I could at least enjoy the start of the game. Every clip I show here is going to be from the first quarter. And from the first quarter, although the Eagles went on back-to-back -back field goal drives, Hurts just had a bad game. And that's okay to admit. Some people on Twitter don't think so. That's okay to admit. It's the first play of the game. On the screen here, if you're watching, if you're not, uh, I'll tweet these clips out later. The 49ers are playing a light box. They've got two safeties deep, right? And at the snap of the ball, the safety at the top of the screen comes screaming downhill because this is a play fake. And the Eagles have Jack Stoll running a corner route at that safety. And you just have to throw this ball. Like, I, I you have to throw the ball to Jack Stoll. If you're going to dial up a play designed to throw it to Jack Stoll on the first play, Hertz has to pull the trigger. Like Stoll is three yards, two and a half yards behind the safety who's stumbling and Hertz pulls this down. And then he throws it late to DeAndre Swift and gets him decleated. And it's an incomplete pass. It just can't happen. Like it's not good enough. And, and then you get down in the red zone and they run another play. They've got this little speed out motion from Quez Watkins. He's going to run a vertical route and you have Devonta Smith running an outbreaking route. And all you have to do is read this flat defender. And, and this is Hurts' read. It's where he opens up. It's where he looks. Devonta Smith is outside. He's breaking outside. Like, this is NFL open. It's a clean pocket. Jordan Mailata is starting to get beat, and Hurts lets that rattle him, I think. There's all kinds of time to step up and make this throw, and instead Hurts rolls out, and he throws it to the back pylon, tries to give A.J. Brown a chance. It's out of bounds. You know, there's worse outcomes for the play, but you just have to make that throw in rhythm. and. I thought Hertz didn't do a very good job of making these throws in rhythm. And there were times he did like there were, you know, we saw crash and we saw some rub routes and some things like that. But by and large, like I just didn't feel like Hertz had a very good game reading this stuff out. We've got another one here and I'll give Hertz a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. He drops the snap that throws everything off, right? You pick up the snap and there's a guy right in your face, but you've got a clear out route from AJ Brown and you've got a deep out route by Albert O and you can't get more open. Like Hertz, Hertz has now got the ball and reset his footing and he's got five yards of space. Like this is so wide open. It's unbelievable. And Hertz doesn't take it. Hertz turns it down and he's going to scramble out of the pocket and he's going to throw the ball away. Like you go to second and 10 instead of taking a big chunk play to get to midfield. And I thought there was just a lot of stuff like this on tape. I think I've got one more here. Yeah, I've got one more here that I'll show. Um, this is another one. This one's the tough one. This is the sack where he holds the ball for like six seconds. Um, it's not all on Hertz. 
the the 49ers have no safeties deep so you've got two receivers that you think are top 10 receivers in the NFL one on one with corners that have no help right and neither of them really separates big time now i would rather him just throw this ball to devonte smith because devonte smith is breaking inside and the cornerback is leveraged outside i'd rather you just put this up and give him a shot but he doesn't i don't mind you trying to like extend and make a play here that sack, that sack with six and a half seconds before a defender even gets close to you, that's just terrible. And I know he slips, but Hertz was just tremendously indecisive. I thought he missed reads all over the place in this game. Um, I thought, I think this is this was the worst game from Jalen Hurts that I've seen going back to that playoff game against Tampa Bay. What was that, a year and a half ago? Yeah, um, this reminded me of like rookie season hurts when I kept seeing these wide open concepts. He's not throwing it. But um, the way we do this is obviously we each come up with different takeaways. And I didn't want to talk about hurts this week purely because I knew you were going to cover it. And it's not me. I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here and now saying actually hurts is was great. He wasn't. Um, some of the misreads are a real problem. And I think there's some of the things that we're le- I think every quarterback's got different traits and different strengths and weaknesses. And I think we're learning about Jalen hurts more and more. I think he trusts certain players. And he doesn't trust others until you earn his trust. Um, I, I saw so many times, actually, that I thought Jack Stoll or Albert O maybe ran a decent uh, route this week. And you highlighted a few of those examples. And I'm convinced if Dallas Goddard is running the exact same play, the ball is thrown to him. There is no real way I can know that. I just have a feeling. If you look at some of the tight windows he throws to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, they're not wide open at all. So I think, for me, it's about the way maybe they think about this offense moving forward in terms of who's getting the targets as well and how do they get Hurts to feel comfortable on maybe different concepts. Because if you watch him running crash in this game, for example, he reads it perfectly every time. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, I think that he he seems off to me. Like, I don't know really know what, and I do think some of the discourse around Hurts at the moment is hilarious. I mean, he genuinely would have been favorite for MVP last week, and he's had a very, very good season. I think we forget how good he was when his knee was bad a few weeks ago. Like, he can play from the pocket easily. He just did not feel comfortable in this game. And I went back to this last week, and we're going to talk about run game later, and I cannot wait to talk about run game this week. But uh, I spoke about getting hurt in a rhythm early on, and I still, there's so many plays on film where this team are just too obsessed. And this is my first point still, too obsessed with explosive plays. I think they are so focused on hitting explosive plays. And we said it last week, we called this, teams are just playing so much too high against this team. Um, everyone's seen the Mina Kimes clip by now. If you haven't, go on Twitter, search Mina Kimes. It's brilliant. She said the Eagles are facing too high, I think, at the second highest rate in the league um, or single high at the second least amount. Um, that Those shots are just not there. Um, there are so many times where I keep seeing just Jalen Hurts step back and then have to run out left or right. And it's because every everyone's running down the field. There's no bunches. There's no stacks. There's no motion. There's nothing easy. It seems to me, basically, first and 10 is let's go deep. And then third and four, oh, we're, we're on a nice concept now. Whenever the Eagles do something nice, I'm, I'm convinced it's on third down. If you want to see a really nice, like, uh, bunch formation, or I think it always seems to be when the Eagles need, say, six or seven yards on third down. Um, I've tweeted this clip, and it's it's a bit silly of me. It's a bit irrational in some ways, pointing on one clip. But I sort of have to just mention it. Because if you look at my uh, clip 10 from this week, um, I tweeted this like a month ago, as in the same uh, play. The Eagles run a two-man route concept and on first and 10. And I'm watching it and I, I'm going a bit insane. It's it's The design of the play is horrendous. 
And I'm not an NFL coach. Brian Johnson knows way more than me. And maybe there's an error here. But you cannot against a good defense that's playing two high safeties. This is never open. I mean, it's not even what is Hurts meant to do? And I think Hurts is not playing well. Or he did not play well this week. But I'm convinced that he doesn't really trust what he's seeing. I think this offense is just in a really bad rhythm this year where the easy buttons aren't there. Um, the stuff that I think Hurts excels on, which are basically RPOs, running the ball and outside of number deep shots. They, they can't do them at the moment. That they can't do any of his strengths. And I think when you ask him to play in a certain type of way, I don't think he's that good. And I love Jalen Hurts. I think he's a top five quarterback in the league. But everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Every single player does. It's not a criticism to say he's not very good at certain things. There are certain things that Hurts has got a lot better at. And there are certain things he's not great at. But I watched that play and it just summed up to me everything that I, I, I thought is wrong with the offense at the moment. First and 10. They've struggled at that point as well. Jalen Hurts is not in a rhythm. I can't remember what point of the game that was, but it wasn't too early on. They were struggling. Um, the offense did not look good. And it's like, right, first and 10. It was first play of drive as well, I remember. Let's create a chunk play. Um, it may have even been the first play out of the second half, which is like what you're talking about at half time. But that, don't quote me on that because it might be wrong. Um, but that to me just shows such a... You would not see Kyle Shanahan run that play with Brock Purdy. They wouldn't run any play where it's basically chunk play or nothing. And I'd love to ask um, Johnson Sirianni, like, is it, or why is the idea of not having a check down there purely because, oh, we want eight, eight men into block so we can give Hertz all the time he needs to hit, hit downhill, um, hit down the field. But that to me is just poor planning. I talk about, and I talk about this on the other side of the ball, how good Shanahan is having answers for every single thing you can do as a defense. The Eagles don't. Um, some of the Eagles' calls are basically, we're going to run a play and we hope we get this look. And if we don't get this look, we're in huge trouble. And that play on first and 10 was just a classic example of me, uh, of the Eagles, sorry, is that I still have this problem where they're too aggressive. I think as a defensive philosophy, we saw it last year with Gannon. And this is not just me saying this. Go and look at quotes from Harry Roseman. Go and look at quotes from Nick Sirianni. It is quite clear since Sirianni has been the coach and for a number of years, how much the Eagles look at analytics. They believe in aggressive, explosive plays, win football matches. And I agree with them. They do, but... I don't think running a two-man route concept against a really good defense when your quarterback is already seeing the field poorly and getting him to take yet another sack and putting you in a second and long situation is just good game planning. So you spoke about Hurts, and I think you are 100% right to point out he did not play well, and I fully agree. But I also think I keep going back to the idea of the design of the offense. To me, it doesn't fit his strengths. And that's before we even get into the, to the design of the run game. Um I know you were going to talk about RPOs with your next point. I think that would tie in quite nicely about talking about things that we're not seeing that we sort of want to see. Yeah, and even to your point on the one play that you showed, that two-man route concept, they max protected to try to throw a deep comeback to A.J. Brown. In this same game, they threw a deep con a deep comeback with four guys out on routes to Devontae Smith. Like That's not a play you have to max protect to get off. Um, so yeah, that just really poor design. Uh, that's a good call out on that play. Uh, you mentioned RPOs and that was something I talked about last week on this show, the, the RPO game and how Hertz seemed confused in the RPO game. The Eagles just didn't run them this game, hardly at all uh, on the season as a whole. They've averaged 12 RPOs per game. They only ran six in this game. All six of them were handoffs. Uh, so they had zero RPO passes. And they normally have like a little over four of those a game. I thought it was interesting. Um, and maybe you do that because you're facing a linebacker like Fred Warner, who is 
frankly terrifying. Uh, it's annoying how good Fred Warner is at football. It's annoying watching him play and then having to watch Christian Ellis play for your team. Uh, so I don't know if that was a if that was a design if that was a conscious choice they made if it was a game flow thing whatever. But I did think it was interesting that we saw the RPO game struggle a week ago and then this week it was like they were just gone from the playbook. And you mentioned it like this offense is predicated on being able to run the ball and being able to push the ball downfield and we'll get into the running game, but you cannot push the ball downfield if you cannot run the ball because they defenses just won't let you, they simply won't allow it. And the RPO game is like a good middle ground with that. And it's just disappeared for the Eagles over the last two weeks. So uh, they're going to have to figure that out. RPOs have been their easy button and that easy button is broken. It's not working. And that's something they're going to have to figure out. Yeah, I'm interested actually to get your take because we don't talk before this. So I'd like to, I'd like to know what your opinion is. Did you see the? It is a clip actually as well. Um, a Kelly Gamewell when they went uh, four strong and they threw it to Gamewell on the screen. So it is play of my Fred. It'll be early on play three. Um, I think everyone remember it. It was on the first or second drive. They basically had four receivers on one side and Julio Jones on the left, and they threw it to Gamewell. If you watch the offensive line on this, I think this could be an RPO, basically. I think if you watch uh, Kelsey, he pulls to the left. And when you look at it from the back angle here, you see Julio Jones is not running a route. He's basically coming inside and blocking. Now, this to me is the bread and butter of the Eagles offense. Like, I watch this play and think, there are times I think, we run this play like 10 times a game. Like, when you're that good on the offensive line, when you've got that much talent, the 49ers actually go four over four here. So I think you could feasibly say that could be a keep. And I think when you see it from the U22 angle, you actually realise that they possibly have the numbers to run this. And I think, yes, the Eagles have had some struggles with RPOs this year. Um, and I think you can see it there. Kelsey's wide open. Sorry, watching the clip for all those watching live. And I, I genuinely think Hurts could run it and keep it. Um, I think that the RPOs are basically a fundamental part of this offence. And if you're looking at an offence that doesn't run them, they're, they're not good enough. And I hate talking about like college systems, like the idea of oh, running RPOs is a college. It's like, it's fine. Like if that's what you excel at, if that's what your team is good at, stick to it. I think the problem is that Hertz has been a little bit poor reading them out of late. Um, and it seemed like this week, the Eagles were just like, right, we had a disaster last week with a couple of them. We got picked off again on an RPO, switching to get rid of them from the playbook. And I think that's the wrong mentality. The mentality would be like, right, let's coach Hertz hard. Let's talk about how we're doing this. How can we get better at them to just get rid of them? from the offense in general is, is, is I'm not saying in general in terms of every play, because I've said that that could be classified as an RPO if you really want, because I think Hurst has the ability to run there, but they just weren't a big factor in this game. Um, and I think that's a real problem. I think the Eagles have really got to sit down and think about what they want to be as an offense. I think we're going to talk about run game in a second. And I know I keep hinting at it, but I think it is the Eagles offense weakness. I think it's everything we talk about goes back to this, um, which is why we're going to probably spend quite a lot of time on it this week. But from a passing point of view, I think they really need to look at what they want to be because they look like a team without an identity at the moment. And I think ever since I've seen the Eagles under Sirianni, whether you, they, they've always had an identity. Like, I can tell you what the Eagles are going to do. This game plan felt odd. Like, even the first play, like, I like it. Like, Jack Star was wide open. You showed it. It's, it's definitely Hurts' his fault. I'm not debating that at all. But there's also a part of me that's like, when have we seen Eagles run, like, smash to Jack Star in the corner? And that's the first play. And it just, it seems to me like they're running a lot of different things. And I'm not sure they're really running anything particularly well at the moment. It feels like a, a mishmash of concepts from different coaches. And maybe they haven't really got a specific identity. 
Um, is there anything else you wanted to add on the pass game, Hurts, in general? Um, I thought pass blocking was excellent, by the way. We're going to talk about offensive line, some negatives now, but I thought pass blocking-wise, they were really good. Yeah, anything yeah, else, so too. yeah, anything else you wanted to add from a... Um, there was one thing I was going to say, actually, as well, just to give you an example of this. I'm, I've watched, and I'm thinking, are we going to try maybe an angle screen to DeAndre Swift, just seeing as, like, two weeks ago, it was best play the Eagles ran against the Chiefs, and since then, we haven't seen it. And I understand the idea of you plan for a specific game and the line, and the 49ers got very, very good linebackers, but they also played a lot of too high. So there's a lot of light boxes and it feels like they do one thing one week and I go, oh, this is really cool. Let's build on it. And then it goes out the window again. Um, and I think a lot of that is linked to the running game as well. So yeah, is there anything else you wanted to add to the pass game before we sort of move off from Hertz and go into what I've been uh, waiting one, to talk One one-off that I'll mention. Yeah, one one-off thing I'll mention that I thought was cool. Uh, Talked about uh, I talked about TE stunts against the Chiefs where the defensive tackle attacks Lane Johnson, the end loops inside, and then they were tagging that with a slot blitzer to get a free to basically get Lane Johnson two on one uh, or one on two, however you want to say that. And they got sack after pressure after sack against the Eagles. Steve Spagnolo did with the Chiefs. Uh, I saw the 49ers run that in this game, and the Eagles offensive line picked it up marvelously. And so that's a nice growth thing to see. Uh, week over week that clips on my timeline you guys can go check it out if you want uh, but that was an encouraging growth thing to see from the offensive line when it comes to the pass blocking sorry shane i have i have breaking news here when do we get breaking news on the podcast it's not actually very exciting breaking news so apologies Never. if people are getting really happy at me but i've just been tweeted by um at dennis selman who's very very good he does some stuff for the um uh used to stuff for the athletic anyway and he basically, Jimmy Kempsky apparently asked Sirianni about that first play of the game. And I'm interested to get your live take on this just because I've just literally popped up on my phone and said that Jack Starr was running a clear out route and was never part of the read slash progression for Jalen Hurts. Um, which is why I think it's interesting, just to, which is why I always say be careful about judging the 22. I'm fascinated if that's the case. Um, if that is the case, I think that's even more critical because AJ Brown doesn't even run a proper route out on the left. Um, I just thought that was really interesting. And it shows why whenever we talk about film, please remember that we're not in the room. I always say this, but how interesting is that? Do you think he's covering for his quarterback there? Or do you think he's actually, I, I can't see any way he's not part of the progression. I mean, he's even got his hand up. He looks like he wants the ball. Um, I just think that's fascinating, but I would assume maybe that's coach speak. Yeah, that's coach speak hundred percent because what's it a clear out route for? I mean, you, you guys can watch it for yourself. You've got A.J. Brown running a five-yard curl route. He's not clearing anything out there. Devontae Smith is running a dig way from the backside. So you're telling me this is even worse. If your first play wasn't designed to take advantage of that safety flying downhill to get stole behind him, you're telling me that your first play of the game was designed to use Jack Stoll to run off a safety so you could throw Quez Watkins. That's what I'm going to say. Route. Is it, going right. back to my aggressiveness, is that first play call all about hitting big Quez Watkins on a very, very deep post route? If Jack Stoll is a, not to get into specifics here, because it could be totally wrong, but if Jack Stoll is a clear out to hit Quez Watkins on the first play of the game, then I don't think anything is summed up than my idea about aggressiveness. Because basically, the only guys there you're going to hit are Quez Watkins or... or um. Uh, Devonta Smith on a sort of like a if, if this is for dig. if this is for Quez Watkins, 
it's the worst route I've ever seen too, because it spins to a one high safety and he runs right at him instead of breaking in front of him. Sounds about right for Quez. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Sorry to throw the podcast into disarray, but I just literally checked my phone and it popped up and I thought, Oh, um, running a clear out, but yeah, let's get into why people are here. Uh, do you want to start run game or I think you should start because I feel like I might go in absolutely way too much depth. And I feel like we might talk about different things here. I think I, I'm going to guess you're going to talk a little bit about shotgun and QB run game. Am I right? Have I predicted this correctly? No, I've actually just got a few plays that I want to show right, why the that. run game isn't working. Let's, and then yeah. I've got some stats that I'll save for the end and I'll let you do yours. So let's just go to the first one here. Uh, the Eagles are under center. Uh, down in the red zone and I just want I think this is a good play call I just want people to watch AJ Brown and watch how he blocks this out of the slot because you get the handoff Jordan Mailata starts to get beat around the edge but if AJ Brown really blocks this this is a touchdown Devonta Smith's running his guy off uh, AJ Brown just sort of stands there doesn't knock his guy back at all I just think that's a tremendously low effort play by aj brown and you want to know why the run game doesn't work this is why sometimes the run game doesn't work i i just think that's bad effort from brown so i don't i don't know if you thought if you saw that or thought that as well but um and, it, and it's a different thing every time because then we go to another play pony personnel we mostly mess message we motion deandre swift out wide and then we bring him back and we're going to run the jet sweep the thing that we like to run uh get it flowing horizontally here and Cam Jurgens just totally whiffs a block, and this play's dead in the water, blown up in the backfield. Now, I mean, it doesn't go for a loss, but the fact that he has to go backwards around a defensive tackle just kills you. And then this one's the worst because this is another under center run that, honestly, I think this should be a 70-yard touchdown. You get Devonta Smith in this motion, and you're going to get uh, – you've got a guard pulling out. You've got a center coming across, but the problem is – A.J. Brown down blocks the defensive end, and he sort of runs into Cam Jurgens. That makes Cam Jurgens late getting out to the edge. Um, and so because he's late getting out to the edge, DeAndre Swift has to cut this ball inside. Jason Kelsey, who is trying to push this guy to the edge, now all of a sudden overruns it because Swift has to change his angle. And, I mean, you just look, if this gets blocked up properly, the nearest unblocked defender is a safety that's past midfield, you know, 20 yards downfield. It's just those timing and execution things. I think I show this one from the back view too. You can see Cam Jurgens get impacted by this down block from AJ Brown. Like right there, he gets hit. And now all of a sudden he can't get out to number two. Like ideally you're trying to, you're trying to push number two out of this play. And Jason Kelsey is trying to get out wide, but this forces Deandre Swift to run inside. Kelsey misses the block. It looks worse for Kelsey than it is in my opinion, uh, because of what happens there. Uh, with that exchange with Cam Jurgens, And so I thought, I mean, there were two of those plays I thought were really good under center design concepts and AJ Brown has poor effort on one of them that ruins the play and your timing got disrupted on the other, but there's larger issues than that uh, with the run game. And I think you're going to talk about some of those. So uh, I just wanted to point out a few plays. I'll let you talk a little more generally. And then I've got a few stats for you. At the yeah. End. I feel like I'm becoming the run game, man. Um, I keep getting tweets about my thoughts on the run game. Um, I, I, I find this incredibly frustrating. Like I really do. Um, if you've been following me for a while, I know that I'm a big believer in running the football. I always have been, especially the last few years of the way the NFL has gone. There are so many things I could say about 
the Eagles run game. I, I genuinely could do a whole podcast on itself. I could write a whole article just on run game. But I'm going to focus on the, the first one, which is if Jalen Hurts is not a running threat anymore, then this offense has to be dramatically altered because right now they need to make a decision. And I think we're in the crunch time now. If Jalen Hurts isn't healthy, then the odds are he's probably not going to be healthy for the playoffs and they're going to have to beat some very good teams like the Cowboys this week and they need to make a decision. I, I don't see any like QB counter bash at all. QB draw looks dead. Hurts runs into someone, falls on the floor, has no interest in running. So they need to really think if they're going to stay as a shotgun offense, then they're going to have to use Hurts as a runner. And if not, and in this game, it looked like they were slightly altering. They're going to have to do something that makes me sound like the guy outside the link drinking coffee, holding up a sign saying, run the ball. But you, and I, I believe so strongly in this, Shane, you have to commit to running the ball. Running the ball is not just like, we'll do it here and there. It's an identity. It's your philosophy. I think you go out and say, we're going to run. And I'm not talking about RPOs here. I actually think RPOs can be a play where maybe the offensive line isn't sure if the ball's going to come out. I, I want to say, Kel, I want to say to Kelson Dickerson, we are running this play end off under center. Let's run some duo. Let's run some power. Let's double team at the line of scrimmage. Let's stop worrying about getting to the second level. Let's just pick up three, four yards and actually commit to it. I keep saying people tweet, oh, but, and I'm funny enough. I'm uh, literally um, DMing uh, Jimmy Kempsky at the moment. Cause he's asking me about it. Cause I tweeted him saying that I disagree with you uh, on running the ball because uh, he posted like all the Eagles runs going nowhere. And I don't care. I don't care if the Eagles first 10 runs go for 12 yards. I do not care. You have to commit to it. If you look at the Eagles run concepts in this game, number one, they run about eight different concepts. Like they're not sticking to one concept. They're running a number of different things. They ran outside zone from under center in this game. They ran some runs from pony personnel. They ran outside zone toss. Um, they run a number of different things. There was a bit of under center. There was a, there was a bit of shotgun. It was all a bit of a mismatch, but the number one, they don't commit to the same play. And I think this might surprise people, but I've watched as like you have every single Eagle snap this year and they're not run blocking very well the last month. Um, I'm watching every play thinking what's going wrong. Why is the, there's, there's Jason Kelsey, there's Jordan Wailata, there's Lane Johnson. Um, I don't think Landon Dickerson had a particularly good game. And I'm thinking like, what's, why are they not running the ball well enough? You mentioned AJ Brown. That's also a huge part of it. If you want to run the ball as an identity, I want everyone to be a good run blocker. I want every single person on your team to want to block uh, the run. It needs to be something that you like doing. It's. I feel so strongly about this. It's an identity. It's a part of your team. You go out there saying we are going to run it. And number one, the Eagles just do not commit to it. I'm telling you, if you go back and watch nearly every single run in this game and I did multiple times. The 49ers have light boxes on nearly everyone. And on every single run, you can say, oh, if he blocked him, he's going to get a few yards there. Oh, if he just makes that block, they're actually going to create some good yards here. It was not they were outnumbered. You just posted that example where they missed. That was an outside zone toss play with motion going the other way. Do it again. You, you had the numbers. You were four on four. If Jason Kelsey makes a block on the backside and if Cam Jurgens doesn't get knocked slightly by AJ Brown, as you said, it might have been a big play. Um, look how badly the 49ers came out and ran the ball. They had a four-yard loss on the third drive. They had the first two drives went nowhere, but you don't give up. The Eagles just don't want to commit to running the ball. And I, I struggle to understand why. And then the other part of it, and people hate me when I say this, but I don't think the Eagles have a running back that is a first down runner still. And I love DeAndre Swift. And I think DeAndre Swift is fantastic. I'm not really sure about game well on Scott hugely. Um, and I don't get what's going on with Rashad Penny. So I can't I can't talk about, I don't know. I don't see him in training. I watched him last year and he's clearly still got it. 
I don't know what's happening there. Um, but they haven't got a running back who here's the first man and falls forward and picks up two yards. Like Christian McCaffrey in this game is running people over. I tweeted this on my defensive um, thread where the Niners run a play under center. Christian McCaffrey is running directly down the middle. It's either duo or it's inside zone with two double teams. I can never tell them apart. Um, let's assume it's inside zone or duo. It doesn't matter. But there are two big double teams. Christian McCaffrey runs straight behind them. There's no sort of trying to juke anyone. He just runs down the middle like Derrick Henry style, just bang into the Eagles linebackers. Then he falls forward for like four or five extra yards. There are three guys trying to drag him down. Then Brandon Ayuk comes along and shoves Blankenship after the play and starts squaring up to him. And it's like the 49ers love running the ball. It's their identity. They want to dominate you. And I hate being outmatched physically. And to me, running the ball is how you show how physical you are as a team. We are going to beat you up at the line of scrimmage. And the Eagles don't run the ball well. Now, the answer could be that the offensive line's got worse. And that's a bit of a weird problem because I'm looking at it going, well, Lane Johnson's Jason Kelsey, Cam Jurgen, Dickerson. So I'm not sure that the problem is the running, the offensive line's got dramatically worse all of a sudden. I don't think they're getting any time to get into a rhythm. I don't think they're really getting a chance to run the same play over and over again. Let's go under center, inside zone, down the middle. I would genuinely take first and 10, three-yard gain. Second and seven, three-yard gain. Because the Eagles basically convert on fourth and one every time anyway. So if we can get into third and four, third and five, then we can start running some quick slants. We can start running some quick game. And you know what else you're going to get when you get into second and seven? When you get into third and four, you're going to force the defense to bring an extra defender into the box. It's If you're an offensive or a defensive coach, why would you bother stacking the box against this team? Because basically, if you can do enough up front, you can play the run well from light boxes. You can force a few uh, short yardage gains. The Eagles are going to give up. And then you could just sit split safety and then Hurts, his biggest strength, this Eagles offense, his biggest strength becomes irrelevant because those down the field shots are simply not there right now. I think all of these offenses problems stems back to the problem that they do not run the ball well. And in a perfect world, you run shotgun with DeAndre Swift and Jalen Hurts becomes a huge part of the running game. And I'm talking 13, 14 carries because you will force defense to bring an extra defender into the box. Now, if Jaden Hurts cannot do that, then you need a total rethink about how you're doing things. I think you need to look at promoting Rashad Penny. I think you need to look at going 12 personnel more. By the way, that's another thing. I mean, I could I could, oh, I could, could go on about long, this for a long time, Shane. I find it infuriating. Um, go 12 personnel. They didn't run it at all. 11 personnel all day long. 11 personnel, 11 personnel, 11 personnel. Go 12 personnel, right? And run on first and 10. You might get no gain. Next drive run you might get a seven yard game what might happen in a couple of drives later the 49ers might put an extra man in the box when you come out in 12 personnel and then you can take your shots it's not that i'm like run the ball even when you're going nowhere 50 times a game but six times deandre swift is not a large enough sample size and i'm telling you go and watch the runs if you have it it won't take you very long go and watch the film for every single eagles run this week because it won't take very long they have the numbers on basically every run Every player went, ah, oh, there's a missed block there. But if you make that block, they'd be fine. It's not like they're running into a 5-2 box and the 49ers have got two men for every gap and the Eagles have just got no chance at all. It's not like that. They have had chances to run the ball. And I, I don't get why they don't commit to it. I don't get what's going on with Jalen Hurts and the run game. I don't understand where QB counter bashes. I don't understand. Well, we used to do some nice trap blocks, some wham plays. They're gone. Tackle trap, gone. Like so much stuff of the Eagles offense has gone. And I, I don't really get it because Stoutland is still there and it feels like someone is 
I, I just I can't believe that Stoutland that's in charge of this offense too much that much. It must be Brian Johnson that has more say because I can't help but feel like the Eagles bread and butter is their running game. And they have specifically got three scat backs, basically. None of them are foundation backs. Swift, Gamewell, and Scott. They're all small. They're all good in open space. None of them are pick up the tough yardage. And my assumption was always, Jaden Hurts, that's his job. He's going to pick up the tough yardage as a runner. He's your power back. If he's not running, then the Eagles don't have a power back. They're a shotgun run game. They go under center three or four times a game and occasionally do something cool. Tony Purcell looks great. They run it twice a game and never again. And I, I don't get the overall philosophy of the run game. And as I said, I'm sorry for going on, but I could keep going on. Like I don't understand how they've constructed this offense running the ball wise when I think that should be this team's bread and butter. Um, I know they've got AJ Brown. I know they've got um, Devontae Smith. I know Jaden Hurts. They paid him God knows how much to be QB1. But it doesn't matter. Swallow your pride, AJ Brown. Block as hard as you can as a team. Let's have a run-first mentality. Let's force defenses to get an extra man from that safety into the box. Because if the Eagles keep playing these two high safety coverages each week, you're not going to see the explosive plays down the field to AJ Brown. And the offense is not going to work, basically, without sounding overdramatic. They have to start finding ways to run the ball better. Um, sorry, that was far too long. But hopefully I covered a, a variety <laughs> of things and didn't just shout run the ball. Um it's not. It's too simplistic to say that I get it, but it's also it's not good enough what they're doing right now. They have to do something else. Yeah, you look at they're going through what the Chiefs went through a couple years ago when teams started to play uh, split field safety looks against Patrick Mahomes, and you've got to adjust. You can't hunt big plays, and the Eagles' offense is hunting big plays, and teams are taking that away. You have to take the underneath throws. You have to be able to run the ball against light boxes. And the Eagles aren't doing either one. Since week five, uh, the Eagles have an early down rushing success rate of 32.4%, which ranks 27th in the NFL. Now, I used early down because I didn't want to inflate the numbers with tush push on third and fourth down. So first and second down runs, 32% success rate. Bottom five in the NFL. The offensive line's too good for that. And, and I don't care. What ESPN says, number one in pass rush win rate. What PFF says, number one run, bl run block graded team. They're not. They are not playing that well in the trenches right now. They are not pushing guys off the ball. And you see that I went and tracked these numbers down today per Sports Info Solutions uh, charting. Last year, the Eagles averaged 2.28 yards per carry before contact. So 2.28 yards before contact this year it's 1.81 now that doesn't sound like a huge difference but that's 79 percent of last year's total if you drop the first three weeks of the year minnesota tampa bay who just played ridiculous defenses that let you run wild it drops to 1.39 yards before contact per carry that's 61 percent of what they were doing a year ago now all those numbers are excluding qb runs because i don't want to get scrambles and you know, zone reads where the quarterback pulls it and there's nobody there. That's not what I'm interested in. When you're running, when you're calling a run play and you're running the football, the offensive line doesn't get pushed. Somebody misses a block and the Eagles rushing attack has been horrendous really since the Tampa Bay game in week three. And it's a major problem and it's got to be fixed. Yeah. And different teams are built in different ways. Like I think 
you can have different styles of offense. Not every team has to run the ball a lot, but I think actually the best teams in the NFL of recent years have run the ball well, um, because I think that's the way defense is going. But this team especially is built to run the ball. Like I know they've got AJ Brown. I know they've got Devontae Smith. They haven't got a great deal else. I know that obviously when Dallas got it comes back, they do. Um, but I, I look at Jalen Hurts and I love Jalen Hurts, right? I think he's an exceptionally good quarterback. I think he has flaws, as I've said time and time again. I don't think Jaden Hurts is a standard pocket passer. Let's throw the ball 50 times a game. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not that kind of a player. I think for him to be really successful, this team needs to run the ball. And as I said, I could go on about it for ages. I'm going to write about it a lot this week. So if you check out the article, uh, probably come out on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, it, it just has to get better, Shane. And the Eagles have to make a major, major decision this week. If Jaden Hurts is not going to be a part of this running game, everything changes and if he is let's stop hiding him the cowboys is a must-win game realistically they need they don't want to lose two on the bounce you don't have to run him 13 15 times against the giants or the cardinals you could probably win that game without using his legs in this game in big playoff games they need to run him massively because i'm telling you if you go 12 personnel 11 personnel start running some qb counter bash uh you are going to get teams that are going to have to bring the extra defender into the box because it's basic math. You can't, you last year, you couldn't defend this team with with um, two man coverage. You just couldn't defend this team from split safety. The Eagles running game would kill you. Defensive coordinators hate giving up runs. They hate it. If you are winning in the, in the run game, they will almost certainly bring an extra defender down into the box. It's, it's the way of the NFL. Um, and then that opens up so much more from the past game because the Eagles don't have to be great. They don't need great root concepts. Single high, let it fly. It's a bit of a joke, but it's also very true. It's Jalen Hurts' best ball he throws. It's AJ Brown's best route he runs. Devontae Smith is also brilliant at it. It's, it is a simple offense. People used to tell me all the time last year, it's a simple offense. And I'd say, and? It doesn't matter. Stop it. It doesn't matter how simple it is. It's not, it doesn't, I don't care how you win. If the running game doesn't work, I, I don't know where this offense goes. There'll be a fine offense because they've got AJ Brown, they've got a good quarterback, and they've got Devontae Smith. Dallas got will come back, they'll be good. But will they be great? Would they be really good or would they just be a decent offense because they've got good players? I think it all goes back to run game. I really, really do. Um, and if yeah, you don't see it's, changes, it's not going to be as good as it was last year. With I don't see any chance it will anyway. It's not that the best teams run the football. It's that the best teams take what the defense gives you. And what the defense is giving the Eagles right now is the running game because it's not working. And so... Yeah, we've said on this podcast a lot of times, single high, let it fly. We're going to add a new adage that I just made up. I don't think people say this, but two safeties back, rushing attack. That's what we got to see. Making this up on the fly here, but no no, no split field safety, high, no two safeties high, let it fly. That doesn't work. Two safeties back, rushing attack. Put that on Jalen Hurts' wristband and let's get this rushing attack going. On that note, All right. On that note, we need to get onto the defense before I think we do actually go insane, which we may have already passed the point of no return. Now you said that on on an actual podcast, Shane. <laughs> yeah, when when you say when you say two safeties back, rushing attack, it's time to just throw to a break and get to the defense. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna throw it to a quick break. We will be back to talk about the Eagles' defense and definitely not go insane then. Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on the Shane page, breaking down the Eagles film as painful as it is at times against the Washington or against the Washington commanders against the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, they both wear red. They both wear gold. Sometimes it all bleeds together. So let's jump into it here with our defensive takeaways. Uh, I'll give you my first defensive takeaway. It was this defensive game plan by Sean Desai. Um, I want to tell you what Sean Desai tried to do and why it didn't work. Uh, in this game, Brock Purdy had an average depth of target of 6.0 yards. That was the lowest in the league for week 13. Uh, he attempted only one pass over 15 air yards. It was right at 15 air yards. It was the wheel or the vertical route to Christian McCaffrey where Nicholas Morrow like defended an out route that wasn't there. Anyways, um, the Eagles plan in this game, as near I can tell, was to limit the intermediate throws that Purdy hits so well. Don't let him throw these anticipation throws over the middle uh, in the intermediate window. We're going to make him throw underneath and we're going to rally and tackle. So they accomplished step one, 6.0 a dot lowest in the league. You accomplished step one. You took away the intermediate step two was awful. They allowed 212 yards after the catch, which is the seventh most in a single game this season. The, the secondary wasn't even in the ballpark. They didn't even contest passes. Uh, there was one pass breakup the entire day, and it was Jordan Davis batting a ball down at the line of scrimmage on the first play of the game. I understand. Sean Desai tries things. I've seen Gannon talk on my timeline. This is not Jonathan Gannon. Sean Desai is trying things. He crafts individual game plans. His game plan this week was to force underneath throws and rally and tackle. Now, that's not the button I would push with four secondary players over 30 linebackers that belong in the CFL and facing the most dynamic yak team in the league. It's the button he pushed and it didn't work. Now, you know, hopefully if you face them a second time, uh, we see a different outcome because I think the way that you have to play this team is to try to get physical at the line of scrimmage and make Brock Purdy hold that ball an extra quarter of a second to let your pass rush get home. 
I thought they did good winning early downs in the run early in the game. And I thought as the tape went on, you could definitely see the defense just wear out uh, culmination of an overtime game last week, more than likely in the, the defensive line rotation that we've talked about. But uh, I did not like Sean Desai's approach in this game. I, I like that he's trying things. Uh, I just thought that wasn't the right button to press. Uh, just to give you some actual breaking news as well. Christian Ellis has just been cut. Um, so talking about linebackers that belong in the CFL, you feel for the guy, he gets his one start and he looked apparently with the reports where he was good in the training camp as well. So you feel a little bit, that might be a bit of an overreaction to a, a horrendous game. But anyway, um, yeah, the Eagles have released him to make room. Uh, for them. I would assume he'll be back on the practice. Squad. I would like to think so. Cause he's also exceptionally good on special teams. So, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was an interesting game plan, wasn't it? Because I thought early on, I was like, oh, they got, they got something going here. And then they just got ripped to shreds. Like, I'm going to start all of this conversation by saying, like a little um, preface to what we're going to talk about. I'm just going to say, I think the 49ers are incredibly good, Shane. <laughs> like, I'm not breaking any news here. I I watched this game and I thought, I mean, there were certain plays when I thought the Eagles had the right coverage and they're just better. And... The, the depressing thing from my point of view was I'm watching Shanahan compared to what the Eagles do, and especially in certain areas of the field, like the red zone. And oh my goodness, the way that the 49ers design plays, they got answers for everything. They've got players that are better. Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the league by a significant distance, in my opinion. Um, he is a legitimately good runner. Forget passing game, Christian McCaffrey. Just give him 20, give him 20 carries a game, and he's elite. Um, the thing that I was disappointed by is that we're still, we're still seeing the same kind of errors. Now, I don't mind getting beat. Teams will get beat. You will make errors. What you can't do is you can't make howlers. You can't have errors in miscommunication. This has been a theme all year. And they keep seeming to make mistakes, whether it's linebackers, secondary. And I get they got new players. I get Bayard's new. I know that Christian Ennis hasn't played before, but Christian Ennis has been there all year. Bayard was done a few weeks ago. Roby's been there for a while now. Slay, Bradbury, and Blankenship have all played together. Like, it's not good enough just to say, right, well, we're, we're new to this, so we're going to expect mistakes. Um, there's a few of them that I want to talk about early on. I want to start with the one actually that I I, th I think I see the same as you. So if you have a look at um, play six on my film, Fred, it's where Sidney Brown is in the game and he carries the slot receiver on a deep over route. And George Kittle comes across the formation and he's literally wide open. I think everyone will remember the play. Just a check down to Kittle and he runs for about a 30-yard gain. Now, I'm assuming that Moreau is supposed to cover Kittle here. And he basically goes for McCaffrey and doesn't read the motion correctly because you can see Moreau sort of pointing and Blankenship sort of pointing. But it's not good enough. It's I know it's only a simple error, um, but you don't see a lot of other... I don't see the Eagles play teams and they just give up the tight end like 30 yards free on a check down. Um, there's another snap that really annoys me, um, more than it should. Um, snap, uh, play four on my film, Fred. Um, the 49ers killed the Eagles with four strong in this game. They absolutely wrecked them. Um, four strong meaning essentially four players on one side of the field or root concepts to a certain side. So then 49ers run a motion here and they get um, Bradley Roby to sort of chase him. So he's sort of meant to be in cover three as a sort of hook for that defender, but he's too central. I don't understand why Darius Slay has got 15 yards of coverage. Like, I really struggle with Slay sometimes because I think he's fantastic, but I can't tell if the lack of press is him or the coaches. Because when it was Gannon, we just said, oh, it's it's they're telling him to stand that far back. But the amount of times they gave up these short out routes to um, Brandon Ayuk, and there's no 
safety over the top. There's sorry, there's no receiver running a deep route. There's only one person on that side of the field. There's no reason why you can't get tight. And then um, you don't even need to really play this clip, but you can if you want to, if everyone wants to suffer. Play 12 in my um, film thread, which is a Debo Samuel touchdown. I think it's worth mentioning that you could have any coordinator you want in the world. You can do anything you want schematically. If your linebacker runs straight into Debo Samuel and totally whiffs without even slowing him down, and then the refs miss an obvious holding call on Reed Blankenship, uh, but we'll ignore that. Uh, players are more important than schemes still. I don't care how good your scheme is. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's an absolute genius. Well, guess what? I could, I, I could call a game with Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, and Christian McCaffrey in that offensive line and end up being quite good. Like, scheme is only as good as your players, and you can't make these kind of mistakes. You can get beat. I don't mind getting beat. You will give up some runs to Christian McCaffrey. You will occasionally play man coverage, and Christian McCaffrey will beat a linebacker in man coverage. That's all okay. What I can't deal with is the amount of miscommunication errors they still have, the amount of times it looks like I don't know who's meant to be where, or the players are too close together. There, there, there are so many clips I could show. We don't show every clip here, and we can't post every clip. We're sort of talking themes from the game. There are other plays where... There's three defenders and they're all within five yards. I mean, there's no one out in the flat and Devo Samuel catches it and runs. It, it's just sometimes it feels so easy against this defense. And I know they haven't got the best talent in the world. I'm not expecting, I've said this all along, I'm not expecting them to be a top 10 defense this year. But when you've got the pass rush they've got, when you've got Darius Slater, you're paying big money to, James Bradbury that you brought back, you're paying money to, you've traded for another safety. Um, you shouldn't be this bad. You shouldn't be this bad on third down. And the miscommunication stuff has killed us all, all year. Um, every time the Eagles went man coverage in this game, it looked like a disaster to me. Like uh, the Eagles man coverage, I say every week, I just, I do not like I, I, the way they, the way they handle uh, route distribution, the way they handle stacks and bunches. It just looks a disaster every week. On the first drive, I thought they played some quite good, like cover four and third and long. And I was like, oh, maybe we're getting there. Um, but this defense just struggles. Like it's, it's a theme year on year. And at this point, I'd take going into the playoffs being like the 20th best defense. Um, 18th, anywhere like middle of the pack and hope the offense gets it together because I don't know how you solve these miscommunication issues. I mean, they're bringing another new linebacker, which hopefully would, but how's, it's not going to help with the miscommunication. It's not going to help with that side of things. So I just found them the errors and the miscommunication and I totally get getting beat by a great team. But some of the errors and miscommunications just become frustrating because it's the same thing I'm seeing every week. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on that. Uh, Actually, the first play I was going to show on my next point, which is about the Eagles blitzing, was going to be that play from Nicholas Morrow. And uh, the Eagles rush five here, which they do a lot, and I don't like it, uh, but they send five, and they're playing coverage behind a three deep, three underneath zone. It's called fire zone. And so in that fire zone, uh, Nicholas Morrow is responsible. He's supposed to open up. He's supposed to relate to the number three receiver at the beginning, which is Kittle coming across the formation. He's responsible for number three, really anywhere he goes, but he's also responsible for a shallow route because Sidney Brown is responsible for the number two route if he goes vertical, which he does. And so you see at the snap of the ball, Sidney Brown carries his guy vertically. Morrow goes to the wrong side. So there's nobody in the flat. And it becomes, you know, like you said, a check down that's a 30 plus yard gain and it's a miscommunication. It's that's on Nicholas Morrow. He's the guy in the wrong there. And then you get another one here. I'm not entirely sure how this one should play out. It's another one of those five-man rushes, but it's four strong, except it's not because Debo is on a two-wide receiver side in the backfield at the snap, but he goes over and four strong breaks your coverage rules. So I don't know exactly who this is on, but I've got to imagine it's Christian Ellis who just dramatically overplays the play action and lets Kittle get behind him. 
I won't say for certain that's him because I don't know how their four strong rules work on that. But again, it's those five-man pressures. I don't like them. I hate these five-man rushes. I hate it. Your, your defensive line is good enough to win without doing that. Like All you're doing when you rush five is you're guaranteeing a one-on-one for everybody. If they, whoever they double team, you've got two to three other guys that should win their one-on-one sending a fifth guy does not matter. It just takes a guy out of coverage. And so here's an example of the Eagles sending six. The problem is you're sending two linebackers that are starting out four yards off the line of scrimmage. It's just too slow. Like your linebackers aren't fast enough. There's no anticipation of the snap. Look at, they're both flat footed at the snap. Nobody's, nobody's timing the snap and getting downhill. Uh, and it's just too slow. Ball's out. Purdy never even gets touched. It's a first down on third and nine. I hate it. Like, get up on the line like the Vikings do. Put six guys on the line. It's third and long. They can't run the ball. Mug up both A-gaps and say, we're coming. Stop us. And then sometimes don't come. That's fine. Uh, I, I hate the fi- I hate the five-man pressures. I, I hate these linebackers blitzing from depth. It just doesn't work. In this game, when not blitzed, when the Eagles just rushed four, Brock Purdy was nine of 17 passing for 101 yards and a touchdown. He threw the ball away twice. He took two sacks. He had 6.7 yards after the catch per completion. When blitzed, Brock Purdy was 10 of 10 for 213 yards and three touchdowns, 15.3 yards after the catch per completion. He was never sacked. They never took a negative play off of a blitz, not once. This defense is bad when they blitz, and it's not unique to this game on the season as a whole. The defense ranks 16th in EPA per play and 13th in success rate when not blitzing. Not great, but 16th is average. We could live with average. When they do blitz, they're 32nd in EPA per play and 31st in success rate. Wow. and, And it's because they're blitzing. The majority of their blitzes are rushing five, which does nothing for this defensive line, like that's what you do when you have Miles Garrett and nobody else, so you can get him a one-on-one. Who who are you trying to get a one-on-one? Because you're gonna have two of the three of Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat. Like two of those guys are gonna be one-on-one any given play. Trust them to win and play coverage behind. Uh, the Eagles have got to stop blitzing this way. Uh, it, it kills kills their defense. Yeah, and what I really like that you said as well is this idea that this is not a theme for this game only. I think that's what we're trying to get across on this podcast is none of this is new to this game. Shanahan has watched exactly what we've watched all the time and he knows. I could go back to last year. I've said for a while the Eagles need to get away from these five-man fronts on early downs. If the only way you can stop the run is by playing Jordan Davis's nose tackle and five guys on the line of scrimmage, that's a problem because it just limits what you can do coverage-wise. It massively limits it. And what the Eagles do is they drop one back in, but it's always an edge defender like Smith or Reddick or Sweat, and they're quite often too close to the line of scrimmage to get any depth. Or they fake a double-A gap blitz, and then the two linebackers are too slow to drop deep because the linebacker's got no athleticism at all. Um, that blitz you showed earlier on, on um, third down when the linebackers are blitzing both of them from 12 yards deep, it's just not worth it. Purdy just gets rid of the ball too quick. You know and some, they used to blitz safeties at the start of this year from like 20 yards deep. And you're like, I don't get what we're doing when we blitz. It just doesn't look very good. Um, blitz a slot cornerback when the offense is in a tight split because he's, he can be up on the line of scrimmage and fake press coverage and get there in three seconds. That's what good teams do. Um, we don't seem to do cool stuff like that. We seem to just do very generic 
blase blitzes that don't work. Uh, my second point was actually on pass rush. Um, again, do you want to know a theme we've been talking about for ages, Shane, is pass rush is getting tired. Said it last week. I do think some of this game, you have to point out that I completely take into consideration that the Eagles had a short week. They went to overtime. They played way too many snaps. But you know what? The defense played way too many snaps last week because they didn't rotate again. Um, they let someone like Street go, who I don't really care about him going to the Saints, but they haven't played a Jomo at all as a backup yet. Um, they've had a little bit more um, of Nolan Smith since Barnett's gone, but I mean, we're talking like minor amounts. Like he was a first round pick. And I, I don't want to start like the whole bad pick category because I, I, I don't, that's not fair on him because he's not played. But this is a team that's competing for a Super Bowl with players in their prime who have got maybe one year left, like Jason Kelsey. This should have been a, we need to go for it this year. And drafting a guy in the first round who can't get on the field at all, I think the Eagles are getting tired. I, I genuinely do. I think there are lots of there's lots of research about rotating pass rushers. Um, you can go and read a lot of data about injuries and fatigue. And when you play these quick games, they're playing a lot. I don't think Jordan Davis was very good in this game. Um, and is that a coincidence? That's coming off the game that he played probably the most snaps of his professional career and looked absolutely dead on his feet at the end when he chased Josh Allen out of bounds. Um, I think rest matters, recovery matters, like fatigue matters. This is, yes, they're athletes, but they're not rotating a great deal. I mean, they got rid of Derek Barnett, and I'm not going to cry any tears over that because he wasn't very good, but he was still a player. Like, you could still give him 15 snaps if you wanted against a run. Nolan Smith looks like, to me, he can't rush the quarterback very well, but he can stop the run. He's a very, very uh, tenacious run defender. He was in college as well. Like, play him a little bit more. Um, just try something else out. Um, because I think the pass rush, my worry is that they're going to get worn down and that's going to end up costing them as the season goes on. So I think your point about blitzing is is so spot on. When they rush five, it's just not something they potentially need to do very often. Um, the only time I sort of like it is when they're in a third and long situation and they send five, but they have like Brandon Graham as like a defensive tackle or and it's almost like the idea of we're going to get pressure in two and a half seconds, this ball better come out quickly. And they're almost forcing the quick throw. But in this game, a lot of the time, Purdy had a lot of time to throw. Um, the Eagles pass rush was not very good uh, at all. Um, I think one final thing we both want to get to is we've moaned about personnel a little bit this year as well. And I think this all goes into game planning. I'll let you start because I think you've got a few uh, things uh, about personnel. Um, and I won't talk for 10 minutes about what on earth they're doing with Eli Ricks this year. <laughs> that, could, that could be a whole section itself because it was almost, I felt sorry for him in this game. It was just come in and get roasted, then go and sit back on the sideline. It was like the poor guy. How the hell are you meant to get in any sort of rhythm? But anyway. Talk to, me about, talk to me about personnel, Shane. What did you see? I feel like you're becoming the personnel man. It's like something we, we talk about quite a lot on defense. So <laughs> go for it. Well, what did you see? I'm interested to hear your thoughts. On yeah. I might start uh, some of your thunder with Nolan Smith, but go for it. Yeah, Nolan, play Nolan Smith more. Play Sydney Brown. Like, if there is ever a game that's a Sydney Brown game, what, Johnny, what does Sydney Brown do well? He comes downfield and tackle. hits, right? Yeah, comes downfield, he hits, he tackles. Hello? Like, you're playing a an offense that wants to get yards after the catch. Sidney Brown played over 300 snaps at linebacker in college. Put him in the box over Christian Ellis and let him go hit somebody. For the love of all that is good, let the guy come downfield and hit people. Uh, I mean, and, and it's the same. Nolan Smith. You know what Nolan Smith's best trait was in college? It was as a run defender, setting the edge, which is baffling given his size. But there's reps on film this week of him doing a great job setting the edge. And timeout, do not hear me say 
go look at PFF grades to see how a player played. That is not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm encouraging you to do. But the number two and number three defensive players by PFF grading for the Eagles in this game were Nolan Smith and Sidney Brown. They played 11 and seven snaps. And it's just all over the film. I've got, I'll show a few examples here. Um, this is, I think, a great rep. You've got Nolan Smith at the bottom of the screen. You've got Sidney Brown right behind him. Watch these guys play in the run. Nolan Smith flies upfield and sets this edge, right? Boom. He, he's, he feels this coming, right? He, sees, he feels this down block coming, and he gets into Debo Samuel so he doesn't get washed inside, and he strings this play out, and then you've got Sidney Brown flying downhill for a tackle for loss. Get that on the football field. I am begging you. Like, they need to be playing more. It, it, it was such a good play. Uh, you can see it from the back view here. What Sidney Brown just wants to hit somebody, man. That's all he wants to do in his life is run downfield and hit people. And, and you see another play here. Nolan Smith is going to do a good job on the right side of the screen, getting upfield. He attacks Kyle Juszczyk and keeps him from folding him out of the play, spills that run back inside. Here's another one. You've got Nolan Smith on the edge. Gets to the outside shoulder. Milton Williams, good play there. Forces that back inside. Like Nolan Smith did a good job setting the edge. And I jokingly tweeted this about Sidney Brown because I started watching for him specifically. There was one stretch where he was in the game for three plays. And the 49ers ran it away from him on first down. They ran it away from him on second down. They threw it away from him on third down and picked up a first down. The Eagles took him off the field, and the next play was like a 23-yard run to Christian McCaffrey right at the slot where Sidney Brown was the play before. Now, that's a real that's just a noisy thing, but just put just put the guy out there. And then other personnel things like this one right here. The other one is Eli Ricks. Eli Ricks played five snaps in this game. He was targeted three times, gave up three receptions for 44 yards with a touchdown, two first downs, and a missed tackle. Now that's the stats. This is the film. Sean Desai, what are we doing? The Eagles are playing one double on Christian McCaffrey, a linebacker or a running back that is lined up seven yards off the line of scrimmage. At one double means we've got one safety deep. Watch at the snap of the ball. We've got two guys bracketing inside out one double. Why? He is seven yards deep. He is not that threat. And then you've got right here. Eli Ricks coming in cold off the bench, playing six yards off, trying to defend the inside guy on a stack. It, it, this is an impossible ask. What's harder, asking your slot corner, which is Bradley Roby, to defend Christian McCaffrey one-on-one -on -one from seven yards behind the line of scrimmage or asking a UDFA rookie to take on a guy out of a stack? That's putting it, he, he was bad in this game. That's putting him in a position to fail. And then you get, you know, to this one at the end, your frustration covers zero blitzing here. At least now you're getting everybody up on the line, but he just gets hit on this out route. Purdy gets the ball out quick. That's fine. Make the tackle. That was third down. You're at the sticks. You could make that tackle and potentially get to a fourth and short. Uh, it's not bad to get beat at the marker on a third down with a cover zero blitz. You got to get him down. And so, Eli Ricks has caught, in, caught a lot of flack for his stats, and some of that's warranted, obviously, that last play. Some of it's just putting him in a position to fail. Put Bradley Roby on Christian McCaffrey. Let's help it. Let's play three over two on the stack. Like, this is the same things we've been talking about. Two over two, three over three, tremendously difficult. You need to be plus one in those situations. So I think 
both the personnel usage and who we're getting on the field and some of these coverage schemes we're putting these backups in it's just designed to fail from the beginning i go back to the theme it's the stuff we've seen all year um two over two man coverage in a stack with a safety a mile deep and nothing else there like it's you're, it's an impossible cover um uh, anyone who's ever played sports like i don't care what sport you've played um literally name any sport you know like they just they're these professional athletes but you need to play like you've got to feel the game asking an undrafted free agent rookie who when i broke down his scouting report i said I, I don't think he can play in the slot anyway um now obviously i've been wrong because he would disagree with me there but he was a sort of rangy outside corner when i looked at him and now he's being asked to come in against the 49ers and play man coverage and one thing i love about carl shanahan is that he just does the obvious i think shanahan is brilliant at just looking at your team and going sorry you, you, you're doing what okay well if you're gonna show cover zero and have eli ricks in the slot just run it out i mean it's it's not rocket science like that stack drove me insane I'll be honest, Shane, that was the, the most enjoyable five minutes of the week, just listening to you there rant about personnel. It felt like therapy um, because it was just infuriating. Like, I, I don't get the rotation of players. Um, I, I really, really want to like Sean Desire because I really like the fact they have different game plans. I look at the Chiefs game, I look at the Dolphins game and think, oh, there's something to work with here. And I really want to like it. I mean, I look at some of the numbers and I think, oh, my goodness. Like, what is going on? <laughs> I look at some of the man coverage reps. And my third point was actually going to be Darius Slay, but I already mentioned him earlier on. I look at how Slay's like 15 yards deep on cover three with no one else there. And I, I struggle. The difference between the defense and the offense, in my opinion, is that the offense, I can, I, I have, I have no excuses for them because they're too talented to be bad. You can make legitimate excuses for the defense. You can. But there's also, like, there's basics. There's basics and there's excuses. Like, there are certain things you can do. Like Christian Ellis just got cut and he plays 75% of the snaps. He gets cut three days later. Like, I'm not saying Sidney Brown is a dime linebacker. I'm not saying he is. We've not seen him at linebacker. But do you know what? I saw him playing third and long, Christian Ellis, in this game at time still. I still saw third and long snaps with Nicholas Moreau and Christian Ellis together. And I'm watching them thinking, I don't understand. I, I don't get it. Like, I don't. I really don't get some of the way that they use players. Some weeks they seem to they seem to start moving Slay around now. I'm gonna say something controversial that annoys people. I still don't know where Josh Job's gone. Like I really, really didn't think Josh Job was that bad as an outside corner, and I still wonder if there's an element where you can move Slay or Bradbury into the slot. And I know people disagree with me here when I say it, um, but like they use Roby so weirdly. He sometimes plays on first down, and then he's gone. The way they use Sidney Brown in this game, in my opinion, basically, every time they went to 12 personnel or uh, 21 personnel, I'd have had Brown in the slot. Because basically then what you can say is whatever happens, you've at least got Slay and Bradbury on I you can get on and Devo. You can, you can make it work. But then sometimes they play Brown on 11 personnel. And it, it, I was like, well, no, surely that's not the time to use. It just seems like it's really random. Like, I can only assume the Eli Ricks thing is we want to keep him, like, involved. But it, like, what are you doing? It's not, it's not helping. Like, I, I felt so sorry for him in this game. Like, he was, he's basically seen as this man coverage specialist who comes in only when we, and that's another thing. It seems to me like quite predictable, like what they're going to do when he comes in the game, because he's used to like man up on a certain player. And it worked once on Tyreek Hill and everyone went, yes. And it was like, the game was already over and Tyreek Hill ran a rubbish out route and everyone went mad. And I was sitting there thinking, it doesn't matter. Like it was a nothing play. Like basically he comes in the game to like be this matchup slot corner in man specialist but he doesn't look very good <laughs> I, I i really I, I really struggle with it like some of the stuff on defense this game um i struggled with because 
yes, there is a lack of talent, and I really want to like Desai more. And some of the stuff he's done this year is a lot better. Like the nickel run fits overall are better. I can I can live with Christian McCaffrey burning a few great runs. Like we haven't even spoke about some of the 49ers touchdowns. I can live with Brandon Ayuk scoring a touchdown on a fake toss to Debo and Christian McCaffrey in a bootleg in the other direction. Like I can live with that. It's really good. Like the 49ers are really, really good. But I can't live with linebackers blitzing from 10 yards deep. And Eli Ricks coming in to play man coverage over a stack when you're two on two. And it's just so easy. Like there's stuff that I can accept and there's stuff I can't accept. And I'm starting to wonder, Shane, if the defense is just not going to do it this year. And if the Eagles have any chance, they might need to score 30 points a game in the playoffs and then hope the defense just gets one or two big plays, one or two turnovers. Um, but yeah, I think I've run out of things to moan about. Um, I'm sure. Can I, can I just. Yeah. Can I just read a couple of my tweets to you for yeah, please do. Please months do. ago? August 18th, when Zach McPherson got hurt, I commented on it and someone asked if it was good rich season. And then they asked about uh, Keely Ringo and Eli Ricks. And I said, quote, Ringo and Ricks are not good fits for the s- slot. I actually like the idea of Sidney Brown there too. He played 700 snaps in the slot or the box in college. He has quick twitch and run defense skills. Hard for a rookie to learn all that at once, though. September 19th, someone asked uh, again about the slot, and I said, asked about Ricks, and I said, I do not think Ricks or Ringo can play the slot. Neither has the requisite agility to handle two-way goes from the inside. Brown played the slot in college a lot. I would, I would rather see him out there. Like, I've been banging this drum about Eli Ricks in the slot ever since people saw him in the preseason and wanted to get him on the field. Like. He's just not a slot corner. You're asking the guy to fail. Uh, you know, I don't know if you if you just insist on getting him on the field, you probably just need to put Bradbury back in the slot on those reps and put Ricks outside. And I don't think that's a good solution either. But Can uh, I, yeah, uh, I felt bad. I felt bad for the guy. He was definitely set up to yeah, fail. Yeah, just just one. just while we're talking, this is uh because obviously I write about every single player in all times. Um, and when I watched Eli Ricks, um I liked him. So if you look at some of my things I said, uh, uh, excellent ball skills, length shows up at the catch point, six foot two, presses receivers well on the outside, plays very well physically outside the numbers. Um, I thought this whole point of this team this year, by the way, was going to be all about press coverage because everyone they looked at, um, who was the guy they got off the Browns? Um, the f- bust first pick who's also a press corner. Um, um, I can't, well, what is Gilbert? his name? Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams, yeah. They had all these press man corners. And I was like, oh, brilliant. We're going to be a press team. Um, and I'm talking about all press band traits. In my article, I've got clips from Matt Bowen breaking down, who's the, the best secondary guy on Twitter, Eli Ricks, press band traits. He's an outside cornerback. Um, and then I look at my negatives, right? Athletic testing is a serious concern. Free cone and 40-yard dash are big trouble. His, like, composite score, whatever, his RAS is shocking. Like, his his free cone was abysmal. We're talking, like, in the bottom percentiles. Um, he's a 6'2", lengthy corner, who doesn't, like who doesn't move particularly well in free cone types. Like I'm looking at my comments, like long speed and change of direction are a huge issue. He does not move well in transition at all. Like you read about him. And I, then I say, basically, why do I like him? I say, I'm intrigued by his profile, by the way, more than any other UDFA. And I think he has potential as a press man corner and a specific scheme that helps him over the top. Whereas long speed is less of a concern. And we're now using him not to press, to play off coverage in the slot in a stack against the San Francisco 49ers when he's played like no snaps. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wish there's certain things I could have answers for. Like, I feel confident about the offense, I really do think they can fix the issues. So, I'm like, 
if they see what we're seeing and they want to address it, I think they can. I, I don't know really about the defense. Um, my answer yeah. would be let's rotate the hell out of these pass rushes after the Cowboys game, get Nolan Smith some serious snaps because when the playoffs come, this defense is good enough still. If Jordan Davis gets a first round by and a week off and they can rotate Sweat and Reddick, then this team can do some stuff. But at the moment, it's it's going in one direction and it's not a positive one. Yeah, uh, from my scouting report on Eli Ricks, in man coverage, plays physically through the release and maintains contact as he carries routes vertically. Very good at pressing out of both man and zone. Weaknesses, shifty receivers give him trouble underneath if he can't get hands on. Struggles from off coverage, scheme fit, press or zone, boundary corner only. <laughs> it's like the exact opposite of how he's being used. Yeah, and that's not like we didn't talk about Eli Ricks. Like this is, I, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, Shane. It makes me one. It makes me worry a little bit about what's going on in terms of scouting wise. In terms of what it, it, it make, some decisions, the teams that do things that make you question everything. Like for example, this is totally random. We need to finish because we're totally waffling now. But I watched the Washington the Commanders play the Dolphins, who've just sat their defense coordinator, and I'm watching Tyreek Hill running down the field because they're playing cover one and the safety's not even shading Tyreek Hill and I'm watching you thinking that team's just gone like they're dead they're irrelevant because everything they do there's obviously something fundamentally just wrong with that team and I don't want to say we're there yet on defense but we're not far off go and read Eli Rick's scouting reports not just from us two and then tell me what on earth is going on um I don't know we need to finish before we go completely insane but I think this was good therapy I think yeah I, I, I'm not sure if it ended well. I think I felt better about 15 minutes ago until you started talking about Eli Ricks. And yeah, sorry about that. Yet. Let's wrap it up here for the viewers. And I'll say this huge game in Dallas this weekend. If the Eagles win this game, they have a 72% chance per the New York Times playoff simulator to secure the one seed. Uh, if they lose this game, which would obviously not be ideal, they still have like a 32% chance to secure the one seed. They would be relying on a 49ers loss, likely to the Ravens on Christmas. Uh, so go take care of business this week and all of a sudden you're in pole position for the one seed again and you finally catch an extra day rest against Seattle who got flexed to Monday night. You can rest up, uh, you can start a little bit easier stretch uh, and we'll certainly feel a lot better this next week on this podcast. So uh, we'll end it there with a little bit of hope for the people. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for this episode of on the Shane page. We hope you enjoyed this show. Wasn't the funnest film to watch. I uh, hope you guys feel like, you know, some of the issues going on now. And again, I just want to point out we are nitpicking. That's what you do. When you look at film, the Eagles have a lot of good players. Uh, I'm confident they can get this thing back on track, but there's some adjustments that they need to make. And that's the main thing that Johnny and I want to come through. So thank you guys for joining us. Hit that subscribe button so you get all the shows on the BG and radio feed. Likes on YouTube, five-star ratings, and reviews really help us out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Shane Half NFL. He is at Johnny Page 9 And we will see you guys next time. <laughs>